Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Joined by Salim Sudawala. How's it going today, man? Hey, Ad, it's going great. I'm having a pretty good morning. Last night was fun. I went to watch Shang uh, Chi with. Uh, that was my second time watching it, but I went with uh, with Lero. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, I, I got Lero over at Bulls 101. Yeah, we went. Uh, we went and watched it. I watched it again. I was just. I love that movie. I've been hyping it so much. It's. In my opinion, it's probably the the best origin movie MCU has done, mm. and it's definitely like up there with like Batman Begins, like overall as far as superhero origin movies go. In my opinion, like it's up there with like Batman Begins, and as far as origins go. So yeah, that I, I really love that. I recommend everyone go watch it uh, yeah i've heard it's really good uh, i had a friend tell me that it was really good so i'm planning to check it out at some point i've been to the movies uh a few weeks ago to watch candy man it was good uh i wish that i feel like the with the world opening back up even though we're still in a pandemic but with the world opening back up we're slowly reminded again of the things that we dislike about the normal things that we we miss. So being in a movie theater and having kids crying is not <laughs> is not yeah. something that I remembered about being in a movie theater, but that's the movie theater experience and it also made me wonder why there were so many like little kids in a rated R movie. But uh, none, nonetheless <laughs> that's how I was curious. Yeah, but like yeah. it's funny, like I, I, I sometimes get annoyed with it, but at the same time I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to judge parents because, like, you know, sometimes you want to get out of the house and, like, you don't have anyone to watch your kid. Yeah, I mean, that's, so I mean, that's true. You just take the kid with. I don't no, know. That's, I just, no, that's true. I mean, I mean, usually there's, like, some type of animated movie that they can take them to. But I guess, hey, if, you know, mom wants to see Candyman, then, hey, I guess. <laughs> hey, the kid's not going to know the difference, I guess. Yeah, I don't the know. kid's not going to care. <laughs> oh, if, it's, if, if the kid's young enough, I guess he won't really really yeah. realize what's going on <laughs> yeah, exactly oh man but hey we we have a decent amount to talk to talk about today uh the bulls have made a bunch of different signings uh getting ready for training camp in the regular season so we're gonna get into that and uh joining us to discuss that is uh you probably will definitely have seen him on twitter a bunch of times if you're a bulls fan and on bulls twitter he's always either being retweeted you you always see him on the timeline and he also runs the account for uh nak we trust and he is also uh his twitter username is arturus fan club so uh joining us on bulls gold for the first time is ross pinsler ross thank you so much for joining us man thank you guys thank you for having me i'm really excited to be here um big fans of your guys work i feel like you guys do a great job of breaking the game down making bulls fans smarter um, so I'm I'm super pumped to be here this morning, guys. Absolutely, we we try we're trying to do a little something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we try. But yeah. yeah, no, really appreciate you joining us. That's, yeah. You you've been a very fun uh, Bulls follow. So you're you're one of the people that you know brings brings light to the Bulls Twitter side, and obviously just just have fun with it. And it, it, it's fun to see a lot of the memes and stuff that you create too. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really cool. So you're also on YouTube, also on ArturusFanClub.com. So uh, definitely check that out. I'm sure we'll talk more about that towards the end, but let, let's get into it. So the Bulls talked, uh, the Bulls signed Stanley Johnson, Alizé Johnson, Matt Thomas, Ethan Thompson, and Tyler Cook to contracts uh, in the past week. And these are some really interesting signings, especially the Alizé Johnson signing, who 
projects to be the Bulls' backup power forward. And even though he hasn't played a ton uh, in the NBA, I mean, his I think with his age and he still offers a lot of upside and his per 36 minutes are really good as well. So Stanley Johnson, another player who his story has been kind of weird because I think a lot of people liked him coming into the draft as a rookie, but his career hasn't really panned out, but he still remains in the league and teams are giving him a chance. So we'll see what he can do with the, uh, the Bulls. But what are your thoughts on any of these signings and how do you see them you know, playing out with the team. Alizé, uh, you guys probably saw me. I was on the Alizé Johnson hype train early. Um, I was really excited when the Nets released him at the, you know, the idea of even being able to pick him up. Um, the dude just plays with so much energy. I love it. And I was doing a breakdown for for my own channel, just like going through his tape. Um, and I was also really impressed with his abilities as a passer. Like there and and scoring in transition, like there there are so many different things that I didn't realize that he had in his game um, that I feel like we could absolutely benefit from, and I feel like he's going to fit in perfectly. Now you know it's you know last two roster spots, we'll see. Uh, you know you're not looking for huge contributions necessarily from the 15th guy on the roster, but with that said, I, I feel like he's the kind of guy who plays with a chip on his shoulder and is going to come into camp and feel like motivated to prove that he deserves some some minutes yeah i think with alizé it's interesting mostly because we we have that need at backup power forward so there's an opening for him to be higher than a 15th man right and you see that production from him like we, you look at his rebounding percentages they're absolutely absurd now granted it's a lot some has to do with it being because he hasn't played a lot of minutes but the guy can get on the boards so that right away, that's a huge boost that adds to what the Bulls need. And then you act, talk about all the other skill sets you mentioned, Ross, with his transition scoring. Um, he, he's a nice guy that can at least move the ball as a as a, as an unselfish player, can, can kind of seize the floor a little bit better. So, yeah, those things I really do like about his uh, his potential to really earn that backup like a backup four spot, like uh, he's my leading candidate as far as the guy that ends up being the backup four. Like in your opinion, who, who, how do you see that playing out? Uh, well, I know. I mean, you guys had a great conversation on your last episode about Derek Jones Jr. Um, potentially competing for that kind of role. Um, I, I mean, Alizé Johnson, in my opinion, has the skill set that we need right now uh, from that backup four. So, I mean, it, it it'll be really interesting to see this kind of competition shake out in camp. Um, Cause you've got a few positions, same thing with like, you know, your backup wing spots with, with Trey Brown jr. Same thing, Derek Jones jr. And now Stanley Johnson. Um, it, it, you got to compete for it. And I, I, you know, I always say, and everyone always says, you know, competition breeds success. I'm really excited to, to kind of watch these guys go at each other. We have somewhat of a gang of misfits in a lot of ways <laughs> of these guys who have kind of been, cast off from other teams, um, you know, players who had a lot of potential and maybe didn't live up to that potential or weren't being used, you know, properly um, to, you know, to fit their, their skill sets. Um, so like, I, I think Alizé Johnson has a great opportunity to, to snag that position, but you know, you got to let the guys compete for it in camp. So I'm really excited to, to see that shake out. Can you speak more about his game for people who listening who may not have been able to see him in Indiana or Brooklyn in the limited minutes that he played? He does have he did have two games of at least 20 points and 10 rebounds last season. But expand a little bit on his game. You mentioned that he's a like a pretty solid passer. Salim has mentioned his rebounding. Yeah. What what else does he bring to the table as a backup for? He's listed at six, seven, about two, twelve. Uh, basketball reference lists list him as so ex- expand a little bit on what his game is yeah absolutely I, the dude loves the push shot um, when he gets the ball in the low post like he is he's looking for his push shot um, you know he's not the kind of guy in that in a half court set at least to go through people um, you know I've seen him he reads defenses really well so you'll see him a lot of the times like reading when you know his defender is is ball watching um, and he'll cut to the basket and and just, you know, try to get an alley-oop opportunity or just get the ball wide open under the basket. Um, but for the most part, what I see him in half-court sets doing um, is getting position and then looking for his push shot. 
Um, and then, it, like I said, in transition, like the guy runs the break really, really well. Um, so, you know, like Salim was talking about with his, his super high rebounding rate, like he is always looking for, you know, he gets the rebound eyes right down court. He's always looking to, to push the ball back down court, whether it's himself taking the ball up, which I've seen him do many times. Um, and I was really impressed with his ability to, um, to drive and like, he's got a Euro step, like he's got a couple moves. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know that you did that. <laughs> like, I, I thought that you were the push shot guy, but here he is in transition, um, either running the break or getting the shot for himself. Um, so like he, he has other things in his, in his skill set um, to, you know, either to get his teammates involved, like making the right pass. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say he's a great passer, but very willing um, and I don't think he really forces his shot. Just a dude who seems to understand his role and plays it really well. Um, and like I said, with that push shot, it's like it, it, that is his favorite shot. And he has become so good at it. Um, it's not like he's, you know, just throwing him up, hope, you know, hoping a prayer. Um, he's he's a menace. <laughs> he's a menace when, when he gets to the right position um, and, he, and he feels comfortable putting it up. Uh, I, I've seen him make it, you know, more times than not. So there, there's more to his game, I feel like, than we just say, you know, a rebounder um, and defense. And, you know, to, to his credit, good defender too. Um, sneaky getting blocks. Uh, he's got a really nice wingspan. So just a lot of things that I feel really good about. He's still, you know, relatively young. I think he's 25. Mm-hmm. Um, so different things that he can still be developing at this stage in his career. So, it, you know, I, I, guys, I feel like we got a good one. That's kind of my perspective on it. We kind of got a steal. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you as far as getting really fortunate. I know it's we we were all hoping for Paul Millsap. I, I think at least most of Bulls fans were more hoping for Paul Millsap, and I think we got lucky that he decided to go to uh, New Jersey or sorry, the Nets, Brooklyn. Uh, so that opportunity obviously opened up for them to release Alize. So that kind of worked out, even though we didn't get Millsap, you still end up getting a really young. Uh, prospect and a and a guy like Alize that has the potential to really be that uh, you know big piece in a rotation that can really provide a lot of what the Bulls need and just provide help help as far as being playing winning basketball. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll move on to uh, the next guy. They signed him actually before Alize was Stanley Johnson. Now, Stanley's kind of been around in the league for a little bit. He's been, he obviously started out in Detroit, uh, hopped around a few teams. He was on Toronto last, and he had a big game against the Bulls. Uh, obviously, it was like 35 points on uh, against the Bulls. Um, he's a, he's a kind of in that same mold as a, that 3-4 hybrid type of player where kind of fits the mold of the modern-day four a little bit just because of his – he's like a really – big dude in a sense of as being a unit um obviously not the the height factor but just he's built really strong long wingspan how do you see stanley coming into this team um obviously he's not in a guaranteed contract uh do you think he has maybe like a step forward to earn one of those last two spots or do you think that you know he's going to be an interesting body just to come just to watch in training camp yeah, no, that's a it's a great question because it's it's kind of like what what is the you know the the idea of bringing him in is he is he a camp body or are we actually going to keep him on the roster you know like with the Raptors <laughs> you know it was a, a relatively bad team that had a bunch of injuries and COVID problems um, so you know he ended up getting more run than I think he would on a team like the Bulls um, you know the minutes wouldn't be there for him on you know on a healthy Bulls team um, so like. I think he has the potential. Once again, I go back to competition in camp, um, the potential to show out and, and give us something. You know, we we were all talking for a while after the, the first signings came through about defense. Well, this dude is defense first. That is what he cares about most. Um, and he makes his bread and butter there. But, you know, when his shot gets hot, like, you know, Salim, you mentioned against the Bulls, um, it, he's kind of a streaky scorer sometimes. So he goes on those runs. Um, so if he's able to in, you know, in preseason and training camp, um, to get kind of hot and, and, you know, go on a little bit of a streak. Um, yeah. I mean, like if you can make him a true three and D guy, like that would be wonderful. That would be, every team loves a three and D guy. Um, so it, it, I honestly, it depends what he shows us in camp. 
Um, because, you know, like, like we've talked about, like we're talking about a guy who had a ton of potential coming into the league and then never really lived up to the potential, at least of his draft status. Um, and you know, that's always a little bit concerning, but I think most of that just has to do with consistency. Um, so if you, if you want to give this guy consistent minutes, he's got to play consistently well, and we'll just have to see if he does that. Now, as far as what position he might end up sliding into, um, you know, it's, it's a crowded wing uh, crew that we got here in Chicago right now, which is funny because just a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how we needed wings. Well, now <laughs> we got a ton of them. Um, and, and I do think that, you know, kind of with what we're doing with Patrick Williams sliding into the four, um, potentially, you know, Alizé Johnson competing for the backup four spot, like we were talking about, um, I could see Stanley Johnson competing for that backup four spot. And that might be what he wants to do um, because Derek Jones Jr. and Trey Brown Jr. are probably going to be competing for that backup three spot. Um, so that's kind of where I see him sliding in. And, you know, like I said, three and D would be perfect. We'll just have to see if he can do that consistently. So what do you think, what do you think his chances are of making this team? I mean, we're, we're talking about three and D and his percentages have you know, gradually incre- like increased a little bit over uh, his NBA career. He's shot at almost 33% last year on 2.2 attempts. So, uh, not too bad, but what do you think his uh, what do you think his chances are of making this team? You know, I'd say that they're they're probably <sighs> it's tough. Um, I, I so the way that I had things shaking out um, ended up being Alize Johnson and Stanley Johnson in those last two spots, um, and I think that that's that makes us fifteen. Um, so, I mean, I, I think he has a good chance to make the roster. Like, and I'm sure we're gonna get to the younger guys in a second. Um, you know, th- those guys might end up on, you know, the last two way slot might end up in the G league, something like that. But like, you know, he, at, at this point in his career, you can call Stanley Johnson an NBA veteran. Um, he's been there, done that. So I would say he has a pretty good chance to, to make the roster. Um, you know, once again, it, it depends what he shows us in camp, but if, if I recall correctly, um, Alizé and Stanley Johnson would make us 15 along with, you know, Derek Jones jr. And the rest. Mm. Um, so I think he has a pretty good chance to, to take one of those spots. Yeah, 100% agree with you, Ross. I think as far as who the who they will end up keeping, because I look at the other prospects that that they signed, uh, guys like Matt Thompson and Ethan Thompson. Tom, so Matt Thomas, sorry, my, my, I'm getting a little tongue-tied there. Matt Thomas and then Ethan Thompson. Ethan, Ethan Thompson didn't really show me a lot in summer league. Um, I know they signed him to, I think, a Exhibit 10 contract. I guess, I guess it's Exhibit 9 is what oh, the exhibit latest nine. Okay, yeah, 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 that's the latest right. I heard. Yeah, yeah. So Exhibit 9 contract um, to him. And I think, uh, was it also Tyler Cook as well? Yeah. They signed to yeah. Exhibit 9 contracts. And it will be interesting as far as, I, I'm guessing those guys are more so going to be training camp bodies. Um, I know they get like a certain amount of money guaranteed to them if they're able to uh, make it to training camp or maybe get they can get like one of the two-way slots. I think I would say my favorite to earn one of those two-way contracts is probably Tyler Cook. Um, I, I feel like he, he's shown some decent potential as far as uh, on the other teams that he's been on. Uh, he's shown like little things here and there in like Detroit. I think he was with, um, let me, let me double check. I apologize. I know I'm not kind of messing things up. Sorry. No, he was with, yeah, he was at Detroit last season, but he's been with like Cleveland, Denver, uh, Brooklyn. So like he, he's had his, his go around and obviously he's not got a lot of minutes, but he's shown some nice potential and just doing some research on him. I like that his, his potential, his, Potentially him earning that, like I said, that two way, uh, that two way, the last two way spot that we have available. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that? As far as who you think maybe comes up favorite to get that two way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely a candidate for that last slot. Uh, dude's also bounced around the G League too, so that he's no stranger there. Um, you know, his per thirty six, like you said, the minutes aren't there, but the per thirty six looks pretty solid. Um, not a guy that you're going to expect to take threes and that's just not a part of his game. That's okay. Um, but as far as like defense, uh, rebounding, um, interior scoring, like he has a lot of those skill sets and 
I think he's improved uh, at every stage of his career, um, every you know stop he's made along the way because he's bounced around a lot. Uh, but just all of those different factors, you know, I, I would love to to have him on the two way contract, um, and, and you know, just kind of see what he's got. Um, you know, Ethan, we, we, we mentioned Ethan Thompson, like Ethan Thompson. Um, yeah, not showing you a whole lot in summer league is not super encouraging. Um, but you know, once again, like you're playing with a lot of players who won't end up in the NBA. You're also playing with players who are probably significantly better than you. Like the top end talent is very high and the bottom end talent is very low in summer league. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of how he fits in. Uh, with some of the guys, the actual NBA players during camp and during preseason. Um, and same could be said for Matt Thomas, um, another dude who's bounced around. Um, flamethrower, dude can can light it up. Uh, but as far as the last two-way slot goes, I, th- I think you're right. Tyler Cook probably has the best chance at it. Um, and maybe just based off pedigree alone, like we're talking once again about a dude who has been there, done that. I think this is going to be what his last year of eligibility for the two-way slot uh, so if you're going to do it, now's the time to do it. So I, I would personally do it. What do all of these signings say about Marco Samanovic to you? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I think the obvious is that he's not going to play right off the jump. But do you eventually see him earning a role at some point through a season? Or is he just a guy that eh, they're probably going to drag real slowly and maybe they anticipate something in the season after, I mean, he's on a fairly cheap deal, so it's not really of large priority, but I do suspect that they want to see what he can do at some point. But what do all these moves say about their confidence level in him? It's not high, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, if you're, if you're scrambling to sign a bunch of forwards uh, right before camp starts. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't bode super well for him. Now I do think that Simonovic projects to be more of a five long-term, um, and we'll see how that shakes out, obviously, as he like, you know, gets an NBA diet, works with NBA trainers, you know, bulks up a little bit. Um, and I, I think that's just kind of the thing that they're preparing for is like physically, it's just not there for him yet. Like you saw in summer league, the dude's got great IQ. He's got a lot of great skills that eventually will be super useful on the court. Uh, but, you know, when when he's getting pushed to the ground trying to box out for a rebound, you know, it's it's things like that where it's like, all right, this is summer league. You know, we'll get to preseason and and you can feel like the weight of the NBA on your shoulders and maybe just realize mm-hmm. all right, the, the, not quite there physically. Um, so as far as this season goes, I just wouldn't expect too much from Simonovic. I, I like I like the guy a lot. I think he has a lot of potential. Um, but just for his rookie season, I, I think the idea is like getting up to speed with the NBA, um, especially, you know, coming over from a league that has, you know, different length of the three point line, um, different kind of style of, of, of game. Um, there's a lot of different things that he's going to have to adjust to. So we'll see if he gets any regular season minutes like in garbage time. Like I kind of see it being like a Devon Dotson kind of situation from last season where like he's on the bench. Maybe during garbage time, the fans will be cheering for him to come in and maybe he will, maybe he won't, um, but probably just won't see much run personally, in my opinion. Yeah, I fully expect him to see him in the Windy City Bulls getting a lot of run down there. Um, For me, it's so interesting to see if he's going to end up being more of a five or a four. Um, We've seen it. I think he's probably not as quick footed um, laterally to keep up on defense a lot of times uh offensively i think he kind of struggles getting off the ground um when he does when he's not on like a running start we've seen him like struggle to go and finish up against like smaller players that was kind of like ooh, that's that's a little tough to see him not being able to go over like a guy that's like six six yeah you know and not finish strong without having that running start I mean, he did show some good skills as far as being a good passer. Um, his shooting, obviously, is going to be the real key difference maker. He needs to improve his his shot mechanics. I feel like right now, not necessarily the mechanics in general, but like when his shot is a little too low, and it kind of goes into a straight line at times. Yeah. But I think he needs to kind of form a better, maybe a little better arc shooting motion. Uh, and improve that regard. So, yeah, I think with him, he's definitely going to see a lot of time in the Windy City, Windy City Bulls. Um, and I think a lot of these signings, like I said, I you know I, I look at a guy like Alizé, Alizé Thomas, Thomas, 
Thomas is stuck in my head. Alizé Johnson. um, And I I really, like I said, I really like his, his potential to earn that back of four. And I think knowing that we need that behind Pat just because Pat is like probably the only four that we have on the roster. I think that it just kind of works out really well. I mean, how much, but how much do we think DeMar is going to play at the four too? I mean, that continues to be something that we keep seeing that he's going to play four in some certain lineups. So I can't imagine it's going to be like 20 or 25 minutes there, but. Yeah, you, you'd have to pair him um, with one of these new uh, really good defensive wings um, that we've added, you know, at the three. Um, and then, you know, maybe Tony Bradley at the five. That, that to me, is like a mid-game kind of substitution. Um, and, you know, we've, we've also talked about how, like, you want one of Zach or DeMar on the court at all times, which is great. So, like, if, if you want him at the four, um, you've got plenty of guys to pair him with, like Alex Caruso, like Trey Brown Jr., like Derek Jones Jr., um, that can kind of cover up um, some of his defensive deficiencies. So, to me, that that's more of a, like, a mid-game bench lineup, um, you know, to, to get Zach off the court, um, to get Vooch off the court potentially, but you know, I, I, it, it's so positionless these days. Like if Pat's at the four <laughs> yeah. and DeMar's at the three, like what's the big difference? It really isn't like DeMar's still, we're still going to have DeMar bringing the ball up a lot of the time and then facilitating the offense. Um, so defensively that like, those are the questions that need to be addressed in my opinion, like offensively they'll figure it out. Um, but defensively, you know, that's going to be, a thing to watch with DeMar um, is kind of how, and Billy Donovan, um, how Billy Donovan, you know, structures rotations to, to kind of, and I, I hate to use the term cover up his deficiencies because it sounds so mean, um, but it's true. You know, like there, there, there's going to have to be a little bit of lineup management to make sure um, that you're not running out a, a lineup that just has huge defensive liabilities. But that's why we go out there and sign all of these, you know, defense mind, defensive yeah. minded wings um, so long story short, I, I would imagine that's a mid game rotation, not something you would open or close the game with. Yeah. The, the defensive versatility on this team looks pretty solid coming off the bench. Now, when you talk about Caruso, you talk about Derek Jones, Jr. Uh, Troy Brown, Jr. Javante green is, I mean, he's probably not going to play, but I mean, he was showing some, uh, pretty solid signs last year as well. Alizé Johnson, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of guys who can guard multiple positions there. So the defensive versatility looks really, really much improved uh, coming off the bench. I think for me, the only thing off the bench that is somewhat skeptical is the offensive firepower. And that's really because, I mean, Kobe is probably the best offensive player that we have coming off the bench, but he's not. I mean, we don't really know what his status is going to be to open the season. So there's not really a whole lot of guys coming off the bench that can really, like, I guess, get it going offensively. So I don't know. That's my only qualm with it. Yeah. yeah it, no, go ahead, Ross. Well, no, it's a great point. Um, and, and, you know, that, it's funny how, like, the narrative shifted a little bit of, like, all right, this team doesn't have enough defense. So, all right, who's scoring off the bench? Um, and you know, I, I'm, you guys know, I love Trey Brown jr. I'm a big believer in Trey Brown jr. Um, dude hits open shots, but you know, not like he's not wet from three necessarily. Um, that's never been his game, but you know, that's where you start to look at a guy, maybe, you know, like Matt Thomas, who is a really good scorer and you start to consider, okay, well, does, does Stanley Johnson make us redundant or does Matt Thomas add something that Stanley Johnson doesn't? Um, so, I mean, that's worth taking a look at. Um, but you know, I think the the second unit might end up running uh, a lot through, you know, what Alex Caruso is able to create. Um, Tony Bradley, I think is underrated, um, in the paint and they might try to get him going a little bit. And like, once again, I go back to the idea of keeping one of Zach or DeRozan on the court almost at all times. Um, so, you know, if you, you aren't sacrificing offense, uh, for defense necessarily, um, it, it, Billy Donovan has a challenge this season, man. This will be an interesting test for him. I, you know, he hasn't had this much talent um, since you know the early OKC days. So it, it'll be interesting to see how he balances all that out. Yeah, we, we've we've talked the last couple of episodes about how what we can expect from Billy Donovan and whether he is the right guy to really get the most out of his team. And I keep bringing up that the one thing that gives me hope with him is that. In the NBA, he's never really had a consistent 
core of players to deal with each season, right? Like it's always been something different and he continues to get pretty solid results out of those teams. Like I can't really think of a team with Billy Donovan where you were like, yeah, they should have been a lot better than what they were, right? Like I feel like either he gets what they should be or at least maybe somewhere around there, I guess. But there's never really been a team where it's just like, ah, colossal failure. Like even last year's Bulls team, like they were kind of – they over they were overachieving for a little bit of the season, right? But then they just kind of like eh, went back down. So it's just I, I feel I feel good with him being able to maximize the new addition on this team, even if it won't be instantaneous. But I feel good about it. Yeah, hundred percent. I want you. I want to get your thoughts a little bit on on you know we've talked about the defensive versatility we've added, but nationally you would think like all the, all the opinions on our defense. As essentially, you know, they think our defense is going to be like bottom five in the league. And <laughs> obviously, they say that a lot out of ignorance. They didn't watch a lot of Bulls games last season. Um, obviously, last season, the Bulls struggled uh, in the pick and roll a lot of times defensively. Uh, but overall, their defense was like, I think they finished 12th as far as defensive uh, rating is concerned. And obviously, defensive rating isn't everything. But I think that's probably the best team defensive stat out there uh, as far as you can get, as far as kind of measure how good a defense is. So, again, they were top half of the league last season. They've added some defensive versatility, especially defending that pick and roll like a guy like Caruso. And granted, Lonzo Ball isn't a strong uh, on the ball, like a, sorry, sorry, a point of attack defender, but he is an upgrade uh, as far as, that's concerned to in my opinion so you, you add all these pieces and then the opinion still is all oh, this defense is gonna be really bad and i guess another thing i'll add too i think zach kind of gets underrated on defense now which is funny to say i mean yeah. he's he's not he wasn't good the last season let's not let's not get that twisted but he was below average overall in my opinion he improved a lot and it's not that same zach where People look at him and say, like, "Well, he's he's giving he's scoring thirty, but then giving up 30. That that Zach is gone. Like he he made a lot of strides and improvements on, on defense. And then you look at a guy like uh, Vucevic, and he's also kind of getting like overlooked. And and especially in the drop coverage, mm-hmm. he's going to do his job perfectly. I shared earlier this week. Um, uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, bouncing off of what Lara was uh, talking about as far as showing his grading um, basketball index does like defensive and all these offensive defensive gradings and interior defense for, for Vooch grades out really well. He does his job. Like he's not a shot blocker, but he's going to be there in position uh, to contest the shot and, and make it tough for the de- opposed the offense to kind of get, a clean lookout. So he does his he does his job. So I think, like I said, defensively, I feel like the Bulls are uh, being overlooked. Um, kind of going on a little ramble there, but uh, yeah, that, those are my thoughts as far as the Bulls' defense. And it's interesting what we've seen uh, nationally. And I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I, you know, Salim, you said some great things. I, I agree with you so much, especially on the Vooch point. Um, because yeah, we're talking about a guy who I think the narratives like him and Zach, the narratives about their defense have gotten a little bit out of control. Um, and I don't know if that's just national media, not watching the bulls. I don't know if that's people just memeing and having fun with it, you know, cause it's fun to, to make jokes about players who don't play defense. I'm not sure where the narratives have gotten out of control, but they are out of control. Um, and Zach Levine, you know, I think that spending summer with team USA, uh, you know, another offseason, he's added things to his game every offseason. But now coming in with all of these new additions, all of these new offensive weapons, you're going to see Zach Levine having more energy. Um, you might see a more engaged, uh, you know, defensive minded Zach Levine. Now, he's never probably going to be a great defender. But if you can get above average defensive production from him, like that's huge. You know, you're talking about a guy who scores and has some of the best efficiency. Uh, like he's up there with Steph Curry in terms of his scoring and efficiency. So like if you have that guy who can also be a plus defender, um, that is just so important for your team. And then same thing with Vooch, you know, like we were talking about the drop coverage, having Patrick Williams next to him. And this was a question I actually posed was like, 
can we kind of mold Patrick Williams into like almost a small ball five who blocks shots or, you know, he can play at the four next to Vooch, obviously, and, and get you some rim protection because he is so quick. He is, he's so long and strong. Um, those are, those are the types of things that I feel like Billy Donovan has been good at throughout his career. Um, and Ed, you were kind of talking about it earlier, like with, you know, being able to, to get something good, um, out of his team, no matter the situation. Um, so like when people are saying, oh, the defense is so bad, the defense is so bad. Uh, I just feel like we're not giving enough credit to the fact that like, we're talking about a coach who has consistently found ways to improve his defense with negative defenders, um, throughout, you know, his career as a head coach. So those are things that I feel good about already on, on paper. The defense isn't that bad, like above league average is great. Um, and, you know, adding Lonzo Ball is going to be a, a big piece of that. Um, obviously, Alex Caruso, he's going to be a true six man. Dude's going to get a lot of minutes off the bench. Great point of attack defender. Trey Brown Jr. is coming back, who I once again am just super high on. Um, and I feel like Trey Brown Jr. was like he was becoming our best. I mean, I know Pat, I don't want to give any discredit to Patrick Williams, but I feel like he was becoming our best defender um, there for a minute right before he got hurt. He was closing games. Dude just was clamping up and playing some really good defense. So yeah, the narratives are a little bit out of control. And I, I think it's one of those situations where you just kind of have to see it play out. Uh, Cause you know, we can all talk about on paper stats, this, this, and that. Um, but we, we need to see what Billy Donovan does with the lineups to, to make sure uh, that the best possible fit is out there at all times. Yeah, no, y'all, y'all are both uh, spitting a lot of truth right here. I, honestly, with the narratives thing, I feel like, it just takes narratives so long to die. Maybe yeah. the Zach Levine. Like I don't think Zach Levine is someone who ever is really going to kill a defense. I think you can have a really good defense with Zach Levine. It's it's kind of like back in the day when Ben Gordon was on the Bulls and people swore up <laughs> and down that every time Ben Gordon was on the court, Chauncey Billis would just post him up for 100 possessions and the team was bad on defense. And it was just like. Do you do you guys not see that the Bulls have like the second best defense in the league? And it was like, we could be first. It's just, it's, it's just, it's just. Oh my god, stuff like that is just annoying. But yeah, like I think at one point Zach Levine was really really bad. But at this point, I would just say that he is not bad enough to kill a defense, and you can have a good defense with him. I don't. I, I'm not sure if the Bulls are going to have one of the best defenses in the league next year, but I don't expect it to be astronomically bad either. I think they probably will be a team that is going to win with their offense on most nights because of the firepower that they have in their in their lineup. But if Zach is still, if Zach is what he was last year and you add this talent, I feel like you're in a really good place. So yeah, it's not I just don't really feel like we're ever at the point anymore where it's just like we have to worry about one guy's defense in this lineup. <laughs> I And, you know, it, it's it's going to be funny to, to see how people react seeing Zach play alongside Lonzo versus Zach play alongside Kobe. Um, and, like, I don't want to insult Kobe White or anything, but, like, Kobe's defense made Zach's defense worse. It made, he made yeah. Zach look a little bit worse. Um, and so I think that, you know, pairing Zach with Lonzo is going to show fans that Zach is not that bad. Um, and especially, you know, having like a true point guard to run the show uh, will help offensively. I just feel like defensively, like Kobe White just made like was always making everyone else look bad. Um, I, I hope that's something he's able to to turn around in his career. Um, and hopefully he's doing well recovering from that injury as well. And even then with Kobe. We were just talking about it. He's now in a situation where there are a bunch of good defenders coming off the bench. So I right. I feel like Kobe now, depending on how he looks coming back from this injury, I feel like he now is in a really good position to succeed because he's not going to be playing in a lot of these. I feel like he's not going to be playing in a redundant like backcourt or in lineups that really don't fit him. If yeah. he's coming off the bench with someone like Caruso, I think Caruso fits really well with uh, Kobe White and then you can surround these guys with quality defenders so I, I really like I, I feel like with the offseason that the Bulls have had so far I feel like and, we, and we've said this multiple times they've really done a, re a great job at defining roles and defining just having like a totem pole or a totem pole or a hierarchy like they're yeah. doing a really good job of defining that we have a best player we have a second best player we have a third best like it, it's it, it makes sense now where whereas before it was okay 
we got to hope that this guy can be a number two. We got to hope that this guy can be a number three. Maybe this guy is a number four. Uh, maybe, you know, back when Zach was coming back from ACL, ooh, maybe he's a number one. It was it was so many questions about what people can do. And I feel like now the questions were really just about, it's not about what they can do. It's about how do we get everyone transitioned in a seamless way to get all of this to work. We know what DeMar DeRozan mm-hmm. can do. We know what Vooch can do. We know what Zach can do. We know what Lonzo Ball can do. We even know what Caruso can do. So it's really just, okay, let's see if this actually works now. Yeah. I mean, you you don't need to hear it from me, uh, yeah. but the front office, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a total 180 and it shows you that there is a vision uh, long term here instead of just kind of every year like all right well what do we got and what do we want to do with it yeah you know there's a there's a long-term plan here and and you do love to see it and i am interested to see you know when kobe white comes back from his injury what his role ends up looking like and you know you you mentioned it caruso and kobe white like that's one of the best bench backcourts that i can even think of in the nba Mm -hmm. um you know and the the guys who cover each other's deficiencies perfectly um I, yeah i think that would work really really well and kobe's gonna come in with a chip on his shoulder too because you know you gotta remember dude's dude's been replaced like he lost his starting spot he came yeah. into last season as you know the point guard of the future you know so to speak i i think we all kind of had it in the back of our heads like all right we'll see if this actually works but that's what the team was telling him and you know he got that taken away from him so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how that motivates him to come back even better yeah absolutely yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm not too worried about Kobe personally. Like, I look at his injury. Um, it, it's off. It's not his shooting so- shoulder. Right. You know, he's and it is an upper body injury. So it, th- that gives at least him ability to be in good cardio shape when when he's ready to return. So I feel like obviously basketball shape is a different conversation. And that always takes a little bit of, you know, playing a few games, running up and down the court to truly get that, you know, get your wind in that regards. But I feel like I'm not entirely too worried about him coming in and kind of just being that spark plug offensive, you know, option off the bench, him fitting into what his strengths are. Obviously he could keep working on his game overall, his weaknesses, obviously defensively, he's going to have to be a little better this season, but even as like a playmaker over time, he can kind of focus on that bits by bit as opposed to trying to figure everything out at all at once because we don't need him to do that anymore. Right. So, like I said, I'm not too worried about Kobe. I think Kobe's going to have a really nice season next season. Uh, obviously, his long-term fit, or as far as long-term, not fit necessarily, but long-term uh, perspective on the, on the, on the team is going to be interesting. See if AK has something else up his sleeve that, you know, he kind of makes a package to upgrade talent again. And maybe Kobe's one of those guys that he trades. Who knows? But this coming into next season, in my opinion, I'm not too worried about Kobe. Yeah, I, I, I I fully agree. And with Kobe and even Patrick, I feel like, the pressure isn't really on them. Like you said, it's not on them to take big leaps next season for this Bulls team to succeed. It's like, yeah, you do want them to improve, but they there are better players in front of them, and every team in the NBA is defined by their best players. So Zach, Vooch, DeRozan, Lonzo, they're going to make up the majority of the success for better or worse next season. Patrick and Kobe, hey, they can get into that mix too depending on what they do, but it's no longer on their shoulders. We're not going into a season th- hoping that Lowry Markkinen becomes a top five or top ten power forward for the Bulls to take a jump anymore. So, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's switch gears a little bit and do something a little bit different. So uh, we're going to do a little Bulls trivia. So uh, we, we talked about it before the show. Two questions each that we're going to ask each other. And we'll see if any of us can stump the other one. I think my questions are going to stump you guys, but we'll see how you, <laughs> we'll see how you guys do. This. So uh, I'm a, I'm gonna start it off actually. So my first question is going to be to do we? So are we doing it to both of you at the same time? Or? Yeah, just just okay, ask the right, questions. Right, okay, so one both. of us can answer. And, and let let's do an honor system. You're no googling. Of course, the answers oh here. Gosh. No, you know, no <laughs> cheating here. Let's let's try to just be you know uh, professionals and and 
and not uh, not <laughs> try to beat the system. Uh, Off the dome, as all they right. say. All right, let's yes. do it. All right, so the Bulls' first two seasons post-Dynasty are the two of the worst seasons in franchise history. might be the worst. There is one team, with all those losses, there is one team in the NBA who did not beat them during those two seasons. Who is it? I, was it? So, so the question again is, the Bulls from during the 1998 and 1999 season and the 1999 and 2000 season, there was one team that did not beat those Bulls teams. One team in the NBA. Who is it? They, the Bulls were undefeated <laughs> it's a, against it's a this surprising team. team, right? It's a, it's a surprising team, but you wouldn't expect it. It must be. I, I would say that it's not okay. If I if I if I said what I was about to say, okay, it would have so gave I it think, up. <laughs> so I remember for some reason I remember when Ron Artest was on the team, the Bulls absolutely owning the Lakers because he would fucking harass Kobe. Yeah. I was I remember I'm say, that. I'm gonna say Lakers, but I'm probably wrong. I'm gonna say Lakers with the Pacers as my backup option. Hmm. Yeah, both of well. One of you guys kind of got close with the Lakers. It's actually the L.A. Clippers. Clippers. Oh, and I was okay. going to say, I was gonna, when you asked for a clue, I was going to say, well, it's actually on brand because, well, Elton Brand wasn't on the, the Clippers scene, but I think that kind of would have gave it away. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Clippers, <laughs> the Clippers uh, were 0-3 against the Bulls from 1998 to 2000. Wow. Um, and it was some, oh. it was some, they were some pretty, pretty bad Clippers teams, to be fair. But, yes, they did yeah. not beat those Bulls teams at all. That's a great one. That's I rem- do you guys remember that? Like when when uh, maybe it wasn't those years because obviously our test when, when we got our test what two thousand. It might have. I think maybe I was pretty young, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I'm. I was. I, I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm older than you guys, so I remember it a little more vividly. Um, I remember like there was. Like the Lakers would struggle against that Bulls team because of Ron Artest. Ron Artest would clamp down Kobe. Yeah, Ron Artest uh, joined the Bulls in '99. '99, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, he would he would harass Kobe like from the get go. Like when they traded him, it was surprising. But then you found out that the guy was crazy. <laughs> so like that's yeah. why they wanted to get rid of him. And you know, uh, he he's come a long way over the years, obviously. Uh, he he did a lot. He was a great talent, like absolutely like intelligent, high level as far as the feel for the game was always there. I think there was rumors like that he would like throw like weights around just in the work when he would get like mad or something. He would just start throwing weights around. That didn't care who was around him. Like he probably like someone could get hurt. Obviously, there's also rumors that he would say that he would drink during games and stuff yeah. like that. So. <laughs> Uh, obviously that's that's a different conversation, but yeah, that Ron Artest, I remember like the Lakers struggled to beat the Bulls when when they had Ron Artest. So the uh scores of those games, uh if you're curious, the Bulls in ninety eight, ninety nine beat the Clippers eighty nine to eighty four. Then in the ninety nine two thousand season, uh they beat the Clippers one hundred to ninety and seventy four to seventy two. Wow! And yeah, they uh they did have a close game against the Lakers in the ninety nine two thousand season. Oh, actually, a few close games. Well, one was a loss by twelve, but one was a loss by eight. And that that loss by eight was on the road. So yeah, they played a mark. Yeah. All, right. All right, next one. This one is uh this one that might be tougher, I feel like. But before Michael Jordan wore the number 23, there were six Bulls players who wore it first. Name the first and name the last. Oh I'm okay. I, I know I'm I, okay, 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 I know this. I know this one. It's you know this the one? first was Don Van Leer. Okay, and the second, um, I because I, I've been recently uh, doing research. I, recently, I've been doing like the tweeting of the 
how many days that we're away from Bulls games. Yeah. And I've scheduled a lot of the a lot of these tweets and I, I looked up when I was looking looking up for twenty day twenty three, I saw all the names and the last guy the to wear uh the Bulls jersey on uh, number twenty three before Jordan was Mike Bratz. All right, spot on. Wow. Yeah, so I was. That was funny thing you said that because that was one of my questions. So oh, I, oh, luckily, was... <laughs> I have a backup one too. Oh, that wow. I bought three to the table just in case one of you guys would have one of my questions. So yeah, I was, yeah, I, <laughs> I was looking at something. I w- it was either between that or I was going to ask which players. Which players have wore a jersey number that no one else has worn? It was either between that or that one, but like the answers were going to be like Victor Criapa and stuff like that. So I was like, "Not as fun." But yeah, you got yeah, that. I, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was, uh, yeah. Like, like I said, I was doing. Um, I've been doing those tweets, so I've been trying to. I've been interesting going down the memory lanes and just learning about who wore what number. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, a Mike Bratz number 23 Bulls jersey would be pretty, that, <laughs> would, funny. Be a, that would be a rare one, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, Ross, we'll let you go uh, next. Uh, All right, your... so I, you know what? My questions, I feel like, are going to be so much easier. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys went the history route. I went the current route. Um, and I feel like it'll be pretty easy for you guys to get. The, both of these questions are related to each other. Um, so the first question, uh, which current Bulls front office member has credits on IMDb? Ooh, interesting. Um, credits on IMDb. I'll go ahead and say Mark Eversley. Because he has like that connection as far as being working in Nike. And then he has like all these different connections with different agents and things like that. So I'll, I'll say I'll say Mark Eversley. Uh, this is a tough one. I, I want to say this is easy, but kind of a trick question too. So I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna go Eversley too. So it's actually Arturis. That's oh, Arturis. Wow. Oh, okay. Arturis. okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I was I was actually expecting you guys to get that one. So the second the follow up question to that um, was if you could name the the credits that they have. Um, so I'm going to assume you guys don't know that. Oh, man. No, uh, wait, I, I'm curious now. I want to do a guess. Uh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> I'm going to give the worst guess I can think of. Um, so is it like a movie movie or is it like a documentary? Like, it, It's documentaries. Yeah. Okay, it's a documentary. Oh, okay. So I, I'm guessing one of the documentaries is The Last Dance. I know our, our tourist was in um, in The Last Dance. They were showing when, they were, cause when the U.S. Olympic team there were uh. like pictures of him sitting on the sideline, like taking pictures of the of the you're game. So, you're so close. It's not the last dance, but you are so close with that. Oh, guess. am I? Yeah. Oh. Ooh. With what you're talking about specifically, um, why was he, that not he, from the last dance? No, that was. Um, so I'll just tell you the, the one. There's actually two credits, and one of the two credits is a documentary about that team, um, Lithuania's team, called the Other Dream Team. Oh, that's okay. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So you you were so close. Uh, but yeah, that that is a, a documentary about the uh, the '92 uh, Lithuania men's basketball team um, that ended up with, I believe, bronze um, at those Olympics. Um, and then the other one, I, once again, I I mean, I <laughs> this is some obscure stuff, guys. Uh, the other one is a history of Lithuania basketball from 1920 to 2004. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> And they are both um, self-credited uh, appearances for both of us. Nice. I, I know, <laughs> like I know, basketball is like their national sport. Yeah, they do. They love basketball, and like the, we could do a whole podcast about the, the other dream team. Like they they had shirts designed by the Grateful Dead. Um, like wow. these dudes, yeah, these dudes were really cool. Um, they played their butts off, and yeah, it's a it's a really cool documentary. If you ever get some time, highly recommend checking it out. No, definitely. That's something I like watching. Uh, like, I don't like watching documentaries, but I like watching basketball related stuff. Yeah. So, I, like, I'll watch all that. Like, I watched um, the Luke Longley documentary, too. That was really fun to watch. Um, but uh, was that was that all your questions? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Those are okay. they were related. So, yeah, those two. All right. Cool. Cool. So I'll go next. Um, I have I have a little these are a little older school questions. So I don't know if Ross will. Maybe Ross will get at least one of these because I think one of these are not that difficult. So, 
what the, so I'll say this: what what in Bull Bulls player's nickname? Where he's known as the original Bull. What? Who is that player? Jerry Sloan, Sloan right? right? Yes, correct. Definitely. Yeah. So that one's pretty easy. I, I that was my backup to my uh, my question. My, my other question I was gonna ask: Who was the last person to wear number twenty three before Michael Jordan? Um, that was, that I decided to have that backup to that. So um, this one might be easy too. A little bit than my 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 last one that I ask. Um, what player did the Bulls lose a coin flip to for the nineteen seventy nine uh, seventy nine draft? Ooh, a coin flip. We lost a coin flip for this player in the 1979 draft. I feel like I knew this at one point. Is it, is it like a really good player? I'm just, I, I can't answer that because you're going <laughs> to kind of give it away. Oh, man, this is before my time. So I'm, I, I don't want to throw out a player that was clearly in the league at the time. I just, I, I remember <laughs> hearing about like the, uh, the silliness of the draft the way it used to be in the draft lottery or, well, pre draft lottery. Um, and I feel like I've heard this story before, but I just can't place my, my finger on which player it would end up Seven, being. 70. So you guys, Ugh. should yeah. I give the answer? Yeah. Yeah. This, this would change a lot in Bulls history if they won this. It was for Magic Johnson. No really? shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> imagine if, like, because obviously you probably don't have Jordan. More than likely you don't have Jordan. But, like, right. you get Magic Johnson, who in his own right obviously is one of the top ten to ever play. But, yeah. like, it's funny to think, like, we just missed out on having Magic Johnson. That was the luck. <sighs> like, the Lakers got him <laughs> because of a coin flip. That's crazy. That that's is, that's a great piece of trivia. Yeah, exactly. That's so, one of, like, those things that it was back, yeah, back in 1979. One of the the Bulls before Jordan were just one of the teams that just constantly had bad luck. Right. It, it's kind of like, crazy just to think how, like, just simple situations could alter significant events in the NBA. Just yeah, <laughs> Just I mean more more my era, um, but I go back to like trading Lamarcus Aldridge on draft night, and then you know potentially screwing up your chances of getting Derrick Rose. That was one of the things. Like that was my generation of like, what if um, as right. far as the NBA draft goes? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think people stopped. Like even though Aldridge for Tyrus was dumb, like in the moment. And a lot of people hated it. I think a lot of people just kind of like stopped after we got Rose because they knew, right. like, eh, oh well. <laughs> it worked out, yeah. <laughs> Would you ever have LaMarcus Aldridge or Derrick Rose? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, those are those are some good ones. I Magic Johnson, sheesh. I mean, a Magic Johnson in a Bulls jersey would be. That would have been nice. That would have been interesting as hell. And now you never know what the Bulls are able to build with him, but. I mean, who knows, man? People passed on Jordan. Maybe the Bulls could have still gotten him. Pair up Jordan and Johnson. That'd be crazy. <laughs> that was that would have been insane. Uh, imagine a Jordan and Magic Johnson backcourt. <laughs> I remember. Uh, oh man! Now that now that we're talking about it, I remember when we were. It was, it was like a post on Real GM, but uh, when the high school rule went away. And the Bulls got the number two pick. Well, I mean, it went away, what, like, 05? Was it 05 or 06? Did it go? Yeah, it was It was the year that we had the second pick. That was the first and draft, right? Yeah, that was yeah. the first year that so, they said that you have to go to college. And if they hadn't had that rule. It would have been Kevin Durant. Been, yeah, we would have gotten Kevin Durant. Because <laughs> they, they would have came out, like, Odin and all those guys would have yeah. came out that year instead of you know, waiting till right, the right. following year. So yeah, that was uh another See, just simple simple stuff like that. I mean, yeah. I would have taken Durant over Rose. I would that one I would have been fine with. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just crazy. Ross, this was great, man. Really great talking to you, getting your thoughts on the new players that the Bulls have added. Uh can you let our listeners know where they can find you at on social media, where they can find you at you're working on stuff on your own website, on YouTube, and also let us know, like, how did you, how did you get into all of this, and like, when did you start this? So just give us all of that. I know it's a lot, but yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, uh, and once again, man, I appreciate it yeah. uh, being on here. It's been a great time. Yeah, so wow, it, we're over a year at this point. Um, like, I've had my Twitter account. You can go on there and like 
you could search like Kirk Heinrich at Arturis Fan Club, and you could find tweets from like 2013 and stuff. Like I've been I've been live tweeting Bulls games uh, for the better part of this decade. Um, actually, man, we're we're at a full decade now. That's crazy. Yeah. But <laughs> I used to just be like a dude in the crowd on Twitter. Um, I mean, like I've probably tweeted at you guys before I was Arturis Fan Club. Um, I know I have a bunch of tweets to like see Red Fred from before I was Arturis Fan Club. Like I've got I've, I've been on on the scene for a while. Um, but you know, once we hired um, AK, the the whole mindset of of like this guy changed my life <laughs> is is what started. It started obviously as hyperbole as a joke of like you know we are out of the dark ages um, of the Garpax era because I mean we were all we were all pretty bummed during that entire thing. Like it, it, like the billboards, you know the the shirts, the signs, like we all wanted them gone. Um, and when it actually happened, it just, it felt so surreal. It didn't feel real. So it started off as just like me joking around. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, people really were receptive to like being positive about the bulls again. And like, you know, we're talking before hiring Billy Donovan, even, um, people were just excited that, you know, there was new blood in the front office. So, you know, all the moves start getting made, you know, firing Boylan, hiring Donovan, um, eventually acquiring Vucevic. And now, you know, this off season, um, yeah, man, things have just kind of, it's been a snowball effect. Like things have just gotten bigger and bigger and, um, I'm just blessed. I, I'm really appreciative of our community. We have a ton of really mm. talented, um, smart, <laughs> just really cool people in our, in our bulls community. Um, I've always wanted to be in sports media. I, I went, I was actually at the Paul for a bit, um, studying communications to be a journalism major. Um, that didn't pan out unfortunately, but mm. it's all good. Cause things kind of came back around for me. And uh, yeah, like you said, I have the website, ArturisFanClub.com. Um, I make most of my stuff on YouTube. So YouTube slash ArturisFanClub is, is the primary place to, to grab my content. Um, but we also have the blog on ArturisFanClub.com um, where there's articles. I have a few writers who c- contribute um, pretty frequently, just you know, freelance stuff, guys who are in college and, and want to put their articles somewhere. Um, we put them on that. And uh, I kind of have a podcast, but I'm not created up dating it. I would say my YouTube channel is probably the place. If you want to check out my content, my YouTube channel is the place to go. Mm. Um, but yeah, just so much great stuff happening recently um, that I've just been really excited to, to be a part of, man. It, it, it's, a, it's a great time. And once again, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, no doubt. Like it's, it really is like, first of all, yeah, the Bulls have a deep and great community of writers and uh like podcasters and people who do like graphic design and different there's a lot of it's a lot of talented people uh in this space and yeah like just seeing your contributions to it too has been amazing and you talked about how when Arturis was hired that so much positive energy finally came to light and this offseason feels like just the it feels like something that's been deserving for bulls fans for a while where they can really be excited for moves where they can finally see this team discussed more and uh even on tv more so it's just so much like positive and great energy coming from it and yeah it's just great to see all the fans rallying behind it and you know hopefully we get some uh good results from it next season but yeah yeah definitely got definitely check out ross's stuff man really appreciate you coming by on bulls gold Salim, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, thanks a lot to Ross. It's really been fun watching him kind of grow his account. And like when he first started doing it, I was like, you know, I got a few chuckles out of his tweets because he would reply under all the Bulls tweets and <laughs> like random like Casey Johnson's and stuff like that. I'd be like, oh, this guy's funny, you know. And then like all of a sudden you saw him next day, you know, his, his, his grown, follower account is just growing and growing. And it's like, man, this guy's really really building a, a good thing for himself here. And he's doing a really good job. Like I say, I, I talked earlier. I don't know if I, we talked on the pod about it, but like the memes that he does, it's just, it's just <laughs> creative. It's funny the ways that he comes up with these things. Um, I know some of the times he's joking around about like, about like the different things about the bulls and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just, it's just fun. He's a fun follow. Highly recommend following him I'm, I'm sure you already do I'm, i don't know why i'm saying highly recommended more <laughs> likely you already follow him but yeah he it, it's just fun watching him do what he's doing and like the stuff he does on his youtube channel is, is really good as well he actually puts a time in uh you know he's not just I, I, some I, i'm not gonna name any youtube channels i've watched random nba youtube channels and i've scratched my head wondering why the, these people have a following because they don't actually like break the game down in any meaningful way. They just 
go on there and just say random buzzwords and that's it. And, but Ross actually, you know, goes in, does work and puts in time to like kind of show what each player, like his Alize Johnson video that he did, you know, he kind of actually showed the different skill set that Alize potentially could bring to the team. So yeah, definitely check him out there. Uh, lastly, I'll say a shout out again to uh, Chris and Laro, our, our uh, other Bulls podcasts on the Barroom Network. Yes. Um, those guys are awesome. Uh, I'm sure. I think they have a pretty big guest coming on, a pretty good guest coming on in the recent uh, one. You'll probably uh, have already heard them by the time you hear us uh, as well. But or maybe we might drop ours before that you, you hear theirs. But yeah, check them out. Obviously, uh, they're they're fantastic at what they do as well. And uh, yeah, check out all the, all the other shows that we do on the Barroom Network. Uh, so many great. Chicago Bulls sports content on there as well. Yeah, big vouch. I'll, I'll give you a big vouch. Uh, Chris and Laura are, are fantastic. Their show is great. And you guys obviously do great work. Um, yeah. And thank you guys so much for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out Chris and Laura, man. I, you know, the YouTube videos where it's like, it's almost like the, you know, the magazines in a grocery store and you're standing in line and it's like the tabloid style stuff. That stuff yeah. is so <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I like seeing those cover like... images. <laughs> It'll have like the most, it'll have like the weirdest headline of something that's not even like actually news. And you're just like, hmm? And it has like. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get upset with that sometimes too. Like from the YouTube perspective, because uh, I grind pretty hard on YouTube. Like when I see a thumbnail and a title that's like huge breaking bulls news and it's like, oh, we signed Matt Thomas. Like, <laughs> and it's got like 400,000 right. likes. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Oh. I'm like, all right, come on. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, hey. like I said, you know, like I don't want to name any names, and and I'm not going to. But it's just I, I watch your channel. I was like, you're not doing anything. You're not really giving any perspective on the team. You're just yelling random buzzwords and saying, "Oh, this guy's raw. This guy's raw." It's like that's not anything, man. It's like, and and yet this person has like ten thousand views sometimes, or you know, five thousand views, and has a bunch of subscribers. It's like, okay, man. I mean, all the power to them. Look, I'm not gonna. Hey, the game I'm not, is the game. Like, hey, you're, you're doing what you're doing, and, and it's working for you, I guess. Whatever, but at, like, you know, like I said, guys like Ross actually put in the effort to actually have some kind of quality on their on their show, and obviously, there's other guys that we have amongst Bulls YouTubers. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, the bigger accounts like uh, Kenny Beecham and um, uh, Jacob. Uh, Rusty Buckets, those yeah. guys are the big ones that do really a lot of good Bulls content. Or, I mean, I guess Kenny does more so NBA in general, and so does so does Rusty. But those guys are just Bulls fans in general. So yeah, um, but yeah, no um, yeah. Those, those are all my final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the game, the game is the game, man. It's crazy out here. But yeah, thank you again to, to Ross for dropping by on Bulls Gold. Really appreciate it. Uh, his thoughts and opinions on it and as always continue to check us out right here on the barroom network and we'll be back next week so for slim to i'm edward Schuler. this has been bulls gold and we will catch you later bulls fans <laughs>